0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Vela, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today we are bringing you part two of things that resellers just don't talk about. <laughs> um, I was going to like get creative and like I don't know try to come up with these things that people have never talked about, and then I realized, Daniela, you're literally doing what you said you don't do in your reselling business in the last episode. So we're gonna keep this original. Or we're gonna have some fun. So we will see you at the table. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are now in February when I post this. Yes, I think we'll be in February. Um, so before we get into like things we to talk about, let's just catch up. Let's just chat a little bit. Um, I if you're a Poshmark seller, you are attending. A- 1099 K came through last week or, um, when you're listening this week and, uh, we're in the process of, of doing that. Right. Or you should be anyway. (laughs) Uh, so I actually am almost done. I, uh, I am a little off on my 1099 K, but not by much. It's like $200. So way better than last year. I did a much better job tracking in 2023. Um, Thanks to my reseller, genie, I will plug them all day long because without their software, I would not be in the position that I'm in right now. So I just have to go through a couple little things, add a few more expenses that I did not add in, and we'll be good to go. So hopefully you're like me and you're in a good place. But if you're not, take the time this month to sit down, pull that 1099K, pull your sales, you know, update those spreadsheets, uh, make sure that you are as close as possible to what your 1099k says. Um, you know, and it's, can it be exact? Sure. Is it exact? Not always, <laughs> but as long as it's within reason, right? Um, make sure you put all those expenses in there. Make sure you have all your inventory stored somewhere so you can get all that information pulled up for your account and if you use my reseller genie then you already know the drill you already know all the reports that you can print up um, but if you are tracking on your own and you're not in a place in your business where you are paying for a service whether it be my reseller genie QuickBooks whatever it is, just have all those things in order so that whether you're doing your taxes or an accountant is doing it, it will be a nice seamless process for you So that's definitely the one of the big tasks that we're gonna check off. In February probably won't get to the accountant until last week of February beginning of March is my guess um but definitely need to get it done by beginning of March for me anyway <laughs> because the second to third week of March and on are obviously unknown on this end uh, I'm due in so in theory right I'm due March 31st but there are some factors that um could come into play and I could deliver anywhere as early as the second week of March, so um I'm hoping that's not the case, but if it is, you know there's nothing I can really do about it, but I did march February is like our last push to get everything that we need to get done, which is exactly what we did over the last couple of weeks. There's like minimal things that we need to complete for the house and for baby. And, Baby really is situated. there isn't much that he needs. um there's like little things here and there, like those those last few pieces that you wait to get at the end, um you know there's the different bottle nipples and all that kind of stuff so but that's like easy stuff. I'm not really worried about that. um, we're gonna have a baby shower at my work on the fourteenth, so I'm sure I'll get some of those little pieces that I want during that time, uh which will be nice. And yeah, it's like February is just going to fly by and I need to make sure that I'm on my A game, which means I need to make sure that I have everything listed on my phone and everything put into inventory by the middle of February. That is my goal. So as soon as I'm done recording this, I have a few other things to do. And then I'm going to tackle listing it. Um, sorry, not listing, photographing at least the 30 items that I have. That are hanging. Most of it's my own items. And then I have a bag of about 15 items um, that I had thrifted in January, which I need to then probably do the following week. Um what else is there that I have to do? Oh, I have to go through some more totes um, of things that I need to send to buy, sell, trade. There's like little things, like little things with the business that I need to do. I already cleaned space up there. I gotta empty out a couple more totes and Put those away in storage or there's some totes that are already empty so they'll just go to in the basement um and then that, that's really it we're we're really we're good to go everything's clean everything's organized not that anyone would anticipate anything less for me because I am such an OCD Capricorn um, but that is where we're at with life and reselling uh, to you know, if we want to talk about sales, reselling has been oh so slow <laughs> over the last um, three to four weeks. But I also have put zero effort into it. I have maybe listed five items all of January uh, because that just wasn't my mind frame. My mind frame was to get rid of as much as I can, get some cash flow going, stack as much cash as I can, um, and kind of go from there. So. That's where we're at. Maybe in February we'll make some more sales. Fingers crossed. Because <laughs> I do have a student loan to pay. So I'm hoping that I can at least make enough to cover a few of those expenses and um and then we'll take it from there. Okay, so we've caught up a little bit. <laughs> that's what's going on in my life. Um and I don't really have much else to add to that. If I was making sales and like doing great things, I'd have a lot of things to add, but that's just not where we're at right now. <laughs> and that's okay. So let's talk about a couple of things that I didn't talk about in last week's episode. And I think the first thing, I wanted to talk about this in the last episode, but I cut it off at three because I just did not have the energy to keep talking, uh, which is just a sad reality, which is why the episodes have been fairly short lately and kind of like, you know, right to the point. Your girl just doesn't have the, the drive or the energy to keep going. Um... The energy that I do have, I have to place into certain things, and then once I exhaust it, it's like, all right, and we are done for the day. (laughs) So, what I wanted to talk about last week was the whole concept of posting sales on social media or talking about your sales numbers, and you know, we all do it, we all have done it. It feels good, it looks good, it gets people talking, right? It's like you get to. I don't know flaunt your stuff a little bit like oh look at me I made this you know $500 sale but there's no context behind it right and it's just a sale you don't know what any of that means and I feel like when you're newer you get so wrapped up in that and like well how is this person this person sold this item for x amount of dollars and made all this money, and here I am struggling to even make a $15 or $20 sale. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I can never reach what this other person's reaching. It feels so impossible. It can be so discouraging when you're in that headspace, and we are all for cheering people on, right, and and celebrating people's wins, and it's so amazing to see people make such great sales, but I think you have to Always keep into perspective that you don't know what the backstory of that item is. Is it consignment? Is it um their own personal item? Is it an item that they paid up for? Is it an item that I don't know that they bought at full retail and now yeah, they may have sold it at five hundred, but they just took a loss of seven hundred. So there's so many there's so many factors in it. Do they have employees, right? Do they have a warehouse? Do they have storage space that they pay for? Um, is this their sole way of making money? So they have a mortgage to pay and all that stuff. So there, there's a lot of factors. And I don't think that we all think about that sometimes. We really have to take a step back and kind of refocus, ask these questions like, wow, this is great. This person made $500 but did but they didn't really make 500. The sale was 500. There's, depending on the platform, up to 20% in fees or more that is coming off of that $500. Plus, I know this person has a storage facility. So that, you know, there goes another 10 or 15%. And this is their full-time job. And, you know, they have employees. Well, now you're going to take off another, I don't know, we'll say 25%. Well, now that 500 realistically is, much smaller of a number and they have to produce these types of sales more frequently or produce smaller sales at a more frequent level to kind of even it all out, right? We don't really talk about the realities of this in the social media space. Within private groups and YouTube and things, you know, some people are willing to share that perspective. I, I've always shared it. Um Just because the number looks good on paper doesn't mean that that Number is what appears in the I paid myself bank account, right like that's not how it works. Never mind taxes that you should be either paying on a quarterly basis or saving depending on where you are in your business, saving it throughout the year to then pay um everyone's business is different so there's there's factors there are definitely factors, and if you are newer and you're seeing all these big posts, you need to you need to remember that. Someone could have invested, this item sold for $500, this person could have invested $350 or $400 on it, and they're okay with only making $30 to $40. Or they're okay with making minimal, even less than that, because it's attracting a certain buyer into their closet to buy to purchase other things. So there's strategy behind why this person's doing it. Or maybe they're liquidating a bunch of things and they don't really care, kind of like what I'm doing, they don't really care what it's selling for. They just need the cash flow to kind of get them to that next step that they need to be in, based off of what they're doing for their business in that time of year, right? In that period of time, quarter, whatever it is. Uh, so don't don't look at those numbers and think that you cannot accomplish it or that you're not worthy of having such a sale or or whatever it is. There there are ways to for you to to have that happen as long as you keep your perspective open and you don't pigeonhole yourself in a certain way or you don't you don't feel like you just can't do it like like all these successful people are doing it um there are some great people out there on social media who I am friends with who share uh their cost of goods and items and <clears throat> in reality how much they actually made and i think that's really it's really cool to see that because a lot of people don't like to share that aspect of it. You've got re- sellers in our community who are strictly outlet and retail shoppers, so they're on a quantity basis. So they're okay with spending I don't know thirty bucks, twenty bucks on a pair of sneakers or on a, a I don't know a certain sweatshirt, whatever it is, and then flipping it for a couple a couple of dollars or flipping it for you know five to ten dollars of profit. So you need to put you that there's different models of different way of doing things. So how a lot of Amazon and Walmart sellers, that's how a lot, a lot of times I do this live sellers do this as well. Um, it's all about the quantity of items being pushed out. And then those small chunks of profit that is being made eventually adds up to, you know, whatever your goal is. So I just mentioned the word profit. So I think those are that's something that you also need to keep in mind. Sales and profit are two different things. Your sales is just how much that item sold for. Your profit is after you've taken everything out, the cost of goods, all the expenses, all the things that you have to take care of in your business, including paying yourself, what's the profit look like? So you need to you need to understand that concept of sales and profit and That's the way you should look at things. A sale is one thing, profit is something else. And a lot of sellers who've been doing this for a long time generally do not share their profits openly on everything. They'll share it on some things. I will share it on some things, but there are other instances where you just don't and you keep certain things close to yourself for whatever reason. We don't really need to give a reason. We can do whatever we want, (laughs) we can share whatever we want. Um, But that is definitely a component of being a seasoned seller and just kind of keeping things closer to the vest. But you could also be a seasoned seller and be in the phase of your business where like it feels like nothing is working. It feels like you are running around doing a hundred things and it just doesn't make sense anymore to you. You feel like you're failing at all the things. Like there, there's, there's a lot. Um, I definitely have fallen into that space a few times and I have to remind myself, okay, Daniela, this, this is just where you are right now. And it's okay. You don't need to prove anything to anyone. You know, you know, your capabilities, you know, what you're good at, you know, where you thrive in areas you need to work on, you know, keep that in mind and just keep going. It's not easy, but um, a lot of it's just reassessing and blocking out as much as you can which is not the easiest thing to do, but it is something that you try to do and you've been doing this for a long time. You want to be able to separate the emotion and then focus on the the business, right? The business-minded person that you can be. So that was definitely something I wanted to talk about because I just think it's so easy for so many of us to just play that comparison game with everything else that we talked about too, right? Like the whole not caring what people think or what people say or what people are doing, all that kind of stuff, this kind of plays into that. Like, okay, that's great. They made a $500 sale. They made a $2,000 sale. They made a $55,000 sale, well, whatever, whatever the number is. But You need context in order to really make, a, I guess, a uh, educated uh, assumption on, Maybe what they're doing works better than what I'm doing. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. I know that we all definitely have fallen to this uh, and have to kind of like step back. Sometimes we just can't step back. Sometimes it's hard to like just separate yourself from it all. How can you sometimes when it's just being thrown in your face nonstop when you're on YouTube, when you're on uh, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is, like it's just a constant reminder. Um, and I'm, and this will just kind of segue me into the next thing and, and it's live sales. And I think we saw a lot of seasoned sellers, sellers have been doing this for a long time. Veteran sellers who were very successful jump ship on traditional listing and go just to live selling and dive in. And some are still doing it and some are not. And I'm here to tell you is you don't have to do it if you don't want to, if you want to try it, By all means, try it. See if it works for you. Do a test run for a quarter. Look at the numbers. Does it make sense? Does it not make sense? Are you now making more money because of an audience that you built? Or is it because that, uh, I don't know, you've switched the way that you're sourcing and you're somehow able to acquire more funds than you were before? There's so many things you have to look at, right? So if you want to test it, please do it because it might work for you. But I'm here to tell you that you don't have to do it. You, this goes for like all the social media things. You don't have to start an Instagram page. You don't have to go on YouTube. You don't have to make a podcast. You don't have to do digital content. You don't have to do anything, but do the one job that you have signed yourself up for, which is sell goods. And that's it. You can do just that and be extremely successful, and maybe even more successful than some of us who create content. Content is a way to generate income. So that is why you see a lot of larger sellers go into content creation. It's another stream of income, especially when sales don't work out well for a month or two or three, whatever it is. You know that you make, we'll say, four YouTube videos every week and you post religiously on sunday tuesday thursday saturday i'm just making this up and you go live one of those days and you have an audience and you have built an audience and you have built that following and they show up and now they're doing memberships on your youtube and they're doing all these different things Well now you know that you're going to have youtube money coming in once a month and that's going to deposit and now you've got memberships on top of it and then you've got super chats because of your lives That's more money coming in, and then you decide, you know what? I'm going to start a private group outside of this membership group, and we're only going to have access to X, Y, and Z, and that's going to be another, I don't know, fifteen a month um, for people to get this type of content, which is, you know, more detailed and more exclusive and whatever. They all, no matter what field you're in, whether it's reselling, beauty, fitness, they all cover these basics, right? They all do the same things. There's, you know, LawTube, there's all these different YouTube genres, and they all do the same thing. (laughs) And if you're an avid YouTube watcher and you have your people that you watch, you know that these are the things that happen, right? Well, they've just generated so much various forms of income for themselves that that one small piece they're originally doing, let's say it was consulting, has it it does two things one they either don't have to focus as much time on it because they really love the content side of it so they keep their pool of consulting clients very small and are very particular and charge a premium price that's the one thing the second thing that can happen is because they've generated all this all this content and they've accumulated all this following of people who want to hear what they have to say and join all the things now they've created a pool of clientele that has doubled or tripled, whatever it is, and they can increase their pricing on top of it. And now they've created an enormous form of income. So you can either create keep it small, like I had said, and charge more and make it more personalized or grow it, make it massive and charge more on top of it. And now you've created an even bigger stream of income that doesn't necessarily require you to do a ton of work. You don't have to do lead time or anything because your leads are coming automatically because of your content. So there's different ways of structuring this. The perfect example that pops pops into my head is like these YouTube gurus who are out there and they do videos, um, live videos or recorded. And they teach you all the things about YouTube and then they create these groups that you can join and you learn more and you consult with them. Uh, Dave Ramsey's another great one. I mean, on a much larger scale. He that he started off small and he's expanded to what he is now. And then you have employees that do all the work for you, and you're just the face of the company. Like there's so many people that have done this. It's a lot of work. Social media content creation, it is not easy. And when you go back to lives, Live selling is not easy. Live selling is a lot of work, whether it's the sourcing, it's the creating the show, it's curating a show a certain way, it's the setup, it's creating a space for you to sell, it's appealing to people, it's learning how to present yourself on camera, learning how to speak to an audience, learning how the buyers want things shown to them, what intrigues a buyer to want to purchase something from you? um, What are those buyers looking for right now? Creating that community and connection. There's a lot of components to it. It is a lot of work. It is not easy and it is not for everyone. And when live selling first started, it felt like everyone, everyone had to do it. That was gonna be the new way and that was the only way that selling was gonna work. And I never jumped on that (laughs) ship Um, because I just know that I wouldn't enjoy it. And I know that it's not the way that I want to sell. It doesn't align with my business and it doesn't align with what I want to do in the future. So it didn't work for me. Um, Could it work someday? Sure. But where I am right now in life, no, it does not work for me. And I have no interest in ever doing it. So that's me personally, but not everyone can make decisions and and understand what they need and don't need as quickly as I can. I am very much a Capricorn. I am, I know what I want, I know how I want it, and I know how I'm gonna get there because I've already created the plan a hundred times over about seven months ago. And now I've it's been finalized and now I can actually put it into action like that's who I am, but I realize that most people are not like me. <laughs> um so it's really up to you to figure out how this would work in your business. And for some people, the only way to figure that out is to actually do it. Now, if you do it and you "quote unquote" fail, which I don't like that word, but if you don't do well or you set the bar too high for yourself or you set the bar at a level that you thought you could achieve but you didn't, well, that's that's okay. Like I, I think we all have to be okay with that. You would have never known how it would go unless you tried, unless you attempted that thing that seemed impossible. Or that thing that didn't seem attainable, you wouldn't know how it would work. You may do it and may be super successful. And that's amazing. But that's not the case for everyone. And then that requires more researching and more understanding as to why it wasn't. Is it, you know, do you think that maybe it's because you don't have a social media following and that's what you want to focus on to build it in? Maybe. Do you think that you need to do lives more frequently to get people in, to get to know you, to see the product that you sell? Um, make those cover images enticing, the titles enticing. See if that changes the dynamic of the live. I think that's a smart way to do it. Keep showing up, keep trying. Uh, maybe you source a specific way just for a live show. So you, when you're sourcing, you have two separate piles. You have your live show pile and then you have your traditional selling pile. I think there's a lot of ways to test it to see if it works for you. I don't think it's fair to say that it's not for you and you haven't tested it, which I'm putting myself in that category. I have tested um silent shows, but I haven't tested actual live selling because that would require a lot of work from a pregnant woman that just doesn't want to do it right now. Would I try it? Yeah, yeah, I do. It's it's still on my list of things that I would like to try and I have reseller friends who are willing to, you know, come over and basically facilitate the live behind the scenes and I'm just kind of standing there. Um, showing the item and, and and doing more of the commentating part of it so I'm maybe maybe you'll see me in a live in March very pregnant probably not um, but I think it's I don't think it's fair to to say everyone needs to do live selling because that's the way of the future and I don't think it's fair to say that you should never do a live sale because it's a waste of time Um, I think there is a medium ground in all of that, but we have to just be open to whatever possibility it is. And we can't, and this is so hard, but we can't get pressured because this is totally like high school peer pressure. We cannot be pressured into doing something just because everyone else is doing, or just because a, a veteran seller has been successful at it, then we need to do it too. We, again, going back to our first topic, we have no idea what the background looks like. We have no idea what any of this entails. And it is not fair to assume that it's just sunshine and rainbows on that other side because I can guarantee you, it's probably not. Uh, It is a lot of manpower. It is a lot of work. The shipping alone deters me. (laughs) I can't imagine shipping out Hundreds of packages a day that is that is not what I signed up for when it comes to reselling. I would rather sell two or three things at a higher price point and package those out once or twice a week than a hundred packages every day <laughs> unless those hundred packages are going for two to five hundred dollars i don't care <laughs> i i I would not i would not be motivated to do it, so those are my thoughts on the on the live selling. I don't think it's going anywhere for those of you who are wondering. I think it is gonna continue to grow and I do think that it's here to stay, but I I do not think that we have to feel like we, we need to do it. And I don't think that every buyer out there cares. I think there's a select group of buyers who just will never go into it. They're looking for what they're looking for and that's it. They don't really care if you're live and you're selling whatever it is. That's not a concern to them. They're looking for a specific brand in a specific style and color. And if you happen to have it, great. And if they can easily buy it without having to wait for you to run an item, even better. Like I think I think that's kind of where a lot of buyer's thought processes are. Um, but again, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a bunch of people out there just lining up waiting to watch these live shows. Um, but when I talk to people around me, are not in the reselling world they don't even know what a live show is they're like I don't know what you're talking about I watch QVC sometimes um but they have no clue what any of that is so that is my final thoughts on that uh the last thing that I want to bring up that I I don't know maybe people talk about this I'm so disconnected from the reseller community lately that it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around what people are and aren't talking about, which is like what I said in the beginning of this intro, like maybe I should do some research and I should see what people have talked about and like go off of that and blah, blah, blah. And then no, no, Daniela, just talk about what comes to you. Talk about the things that you have seen, talk about things you have struggled with, because people appreciate more of that personal touch to things than just regurgitating information that they could have gotten somewhere else because someone else, you know, 17 other people talked about it last week or whatever. So it's a hard thing though. (laughs) You want to stay relevant, but also I'm only going to talk to the things that are relevant to me and the things that I feel will be helpful to people who listen to this podcast. And that's just the way it is. Uh so the third thing and the final thing that we're going to talk about today is the, um the thought that you are not enough. And you will feel this whether you are new, you will feel this whether you've been around for a long time, you will feel this at all stages of any career journey that you have imposter syndrome. And there's nothing you can do about it to make it better, or at least that's what it feels like. Um, But imposter syndrome is something that we all feel at various points in our journey. It is something that I don't think a lot of people talk about, but for those who don't know what imposter syndrome is, I'm just going to read on Google real quick what comes up. Um so what is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is a condition of feeling anxious and not experiencing success internally despite being high performing in external and objective ways. This condition often results in people feeling like a fraud or a phony and doubting their abilities. And I'm sure as you're hearing this you're like, yeah, I definitely feel like that a lot. And I would say that most of us probably feel this way. A lot, and there are generally five types of imposter syndrome. So, one of them, so there's like different categories and subcategories. So, some of the subgroups are the perfectionist, which hi, you're talking to one, um, the superwoman or man again, I fall into that as well, natural genius that's not me, um, a soloist, uh, and then the expert. Uh, I would never put myself in the expert category ever, um, but. Those are five categories. And there's a lot of research out there on imposter syndrome. So if you just do a quick Google search, you'll find a lot of content. You will find um, images. You'll find videos. You'll find a lot of talks from doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists. But I, I, I will say in the beginning of the pandemic, imposter syndrome came up a lot when we were all using Clubhouse. It was definitely a topic that a lot of us talked about during the times of clubhouse. And I feel like it just kind of went away. And whether you are someone who's been around for a long time or not, you will go through this more times than you can count. And I think one of the best things or one of the best um, ways to describe imposter syndrome in a phrase would be, I don't deserve to be whatever. I don't deserve to be a reseller. I don't deserve to be praised for the content that I'm making. I don't deserve to be here in this space of social media. I don't deserve to even be in the podcasting realm with other sellers. I don't deserve to be on YouTube and associated with other YouTube channels. Um I it's such negative talk and we all do it because we do it in our personal lives as well. Like I do not deserve all of these free gifts that I've been getting from people across the board family friends coworkers. the amount of amazon packages that keep showing up in my house like I'm constantly saying in my head like I don't understand why these people are buying me this stuff like I can do it on my own I mean it's great but like it, it's just a weird feeling it's a very strange feeling for me Where instead, what you should be saying is, so if we talk about reselling, like, I'm here because I earned it. I'm here because I deserve it. I should trust the judgment of those who invited me to go on their YouTube channel. I should trust that the things that people are saying in the community are true and are being said to validate me. Uh. maybe it's society i don't know but i think it's very rare to find someone who doesn't go through impo- imposter syndrome right who doesn't feel this way at some point you you discount the value that you have for something um just because you make something look easy to the outside world doesn't mean that it comes easy to you and it shouldn't discount and it, you shouldn't discount the value and time that you put into it, even though people think that it just comes natural, right? So people think it comes natural for me to talk to people and all this and it, to an extent it does, but this take, it requires a lot of like brain power and energy and work. Um, does it come easy for me to like organize things and create things for myself or others and, and, uh, you know, get a plan put in place? Yes, it comes easier to me, But it still requires me to do a lot of work on my end to get from point A to point B. So there's like, you know, another way of thinking about it is the assumption of like what, what, you know, what you right like you, or more like what you think, you know, right, or what you think others know about you. And then the reality of what others think and then what, you know, coming together and they don't always align, but somewhere in the middle, they do come together. Uh, I want to just go back to the types of imposter syndrome because I read off the uh, five different ones, but I want to explain to you what they are in case you want to dive a little deeper into this. So the first one is the perfectionist um, always looks for things to go perfectly. Slight errors are considered failure, which lead to feelings of shame and guilt the superhero success is based on how many different roles they can play. So parent, partner, boss, whatever. Uh, if they can't play them at if they can't play them all perfectly, then they feel like a fraud. The expert seeks to know everything in the face of even the slightest lack of knowledge about something they feel like a failure. The natural genius expects to meet high goals quickly and effortlessly. When things get difficult, they feel ashamed of themselves. And then the soloist, which is needs to do things alone without help from others, um, interprets needing help as a sign of their weakness and failure. I can relate to about every single, like a piece of every single one of these things. I am in a constant state of imposter syndrome. I will admit that. And I work on it every day. Therapy is great. (laughs) Therapy is a wonderful way to work on imposter syndrome because it's very hard to battle out these thoughts on your own. It's very helpful to have someone else come in and make you realize things and make you see things in different perspectives. So I encourage everyone who's listening, everyone in the resale community to really look into imposter syndrome. See if you have been victim of it and find ways to encourage yourself to not fall into this system, to not fall into this category of devaluing yourself um, from all the amazing things that you do. And we do not live in a society that makes that easy Mm -hmm. with social media, which we talked about in the last episode. So... I wanted to make sure we ended on this note of imposter syndrome because as we've said in previous episodes so far this season, we are doing a heavy focus on um, you know, mental health and bettering ourselves and bettering the way that we talk to ourselves and the way that we view ourselves and the way that we view, that we view our business and the way we do things. Uh, I, I think we need to start to prioritize that stuff. And hopefully um, you found this two-part episode helpful for, your, for you in your business and it'll make you rethink maybe a little bit of how you feel about what you're doing and how your business is going. The year has just started. There is so much time left and there's so many good things, amazing things that you can do. So I hope you have a great rest of your week. Uh, we'll be back next week. I think we're going to do a deep dive. Um, we're trying to like figure out what we're going to put out from now until like April. And I think a deep dive needs to be done. It's been a while. So we're going to work on a deep dive for your guys. We're going to be working on spring trends in the next couple weeks that should be coming out the spring. Uh, actually, that's going to have to come out in like the next two weeks because Everything is going to be happening really quickly. So you're going to look forward to a deep dive. We're going to do some spring trends. We have a guest that's going to be coming on, hopefully, fingers crossed, at the end of the month, who is amazing, um, has been on HGTV. Very, very excited um, to have her on. It's been the works for a while. Uh, And, yeah, there's lots of good things coming your way. We can't wait for the rest of the season to unfold with you guys. So I hope you have a great week, and we'll chat soon. Bye.